1: Welcome to the Daily Hammer, your daily news source when it comes to the Atlanta Braves as part of the Battery Power Podcast Network. My name is Sean Coleman and once again I am very happy to welcome host of the Battery Power Podcast, the one and only Brad Rowland. Brad, how are you doing today, sir? I'm living
2: the dream, Sean. Uh, I think Co-host is more appropriate because I was not even on the uh, reaction episode for the Matt Olson trade. I was uh, booked up, and you know you know this life very well, having uh, covered the Memphis Grizzlies. I was uh, covering a Hawks game Monday night, and uh, with no ability. But uh, shouts to Eric and Scott for reacting in quick fashion to the Matt Olson trade, and then you and I. Are going to be able to talk about the Matt Olson extension, which happened within what twenty four hours? Pretty crazy.
1: Absolutely, and of course, we certainly do want to uh, make sure we give proper recognition to just in general the great overall team that's here. Obviously, Brad Scott, Brad Scott, Eric, um, and others who do the Daily Hammer, the Battery Power, Battery Power Podcast, Road to Atlanta Podcast. Scott and Eric gave some great analysis. One, obviously, let, let's just be honest, Brad, what was one of the most important trades, most important transactions that we have seen in recent Braves history? Obviously, the most important one that happened when it came to Alex Anthopoulos. I know Eric and Scott gave their thoughts on the Battery Power podcast, but Brad yourself, just what a crazy whirlwind of 36 hours acquiring Matt Olson and then out of nowhere, securing him for eight years, a $168 million deal, $168 million. Brad, just your thoughts as all of this has panned out over the past 36 hours.
2: Yeah, you you described it as a whirlwind. I think that's actually the word that even Olson or Anthopolis or both used in their press conference today. It really is kind of crazy how quickly it moved. Like we were expecting the, the flurry of transactions when the lockout was lifted and it took a while for it to happen, but to make you know, this massive trade uh, and then followed up with giving him the largest financial deal in the history of the organization and have that all make sense in a lot of ways. I mean, uh, I think that Eric has got a good job of kind of talking about the end of the Freeman era as well. And that makes it obviously a little bit weird to discuss because Freddie Freeman is an all time great member of Atlanta Braves, you know, uh, and it's it's a weird reality that he won't be around moving forward, and Anthopolis kind of expressed that, and there was some emotions riding high, but at the end of the day, they made a baseball decision, they didn't didn't want to keep waiting, they made what I think was a good trade, if you just kind of ignore for a second the Freddie Freeman aspect of this, and just evaluate the transactions uh, the trade for Matt Olson, I'm, I'm kind of on team trade prospects that are not like uber, uber elite. Like if it's not Ronald Acuna, basically, I am uh, generally in favor of trading prospects and getting a guy like Matt Olson, who is a proven, you know, all-star caliber player who fits the timeline. He's young enough to be good for a while. He's obviously a local product. So to have that happen, the trade itself was totally fine with me. It's a good value, in, in my opinion, if you're the Braves. And then to turn around and sign him to, to an extension the next day that I think is a pretty good deal i mean he's gonna be on contract for a long time we, we can talk about the particulars if you want to but it's not like it's a crazy overpay by any means like they got a decent bargain on him in the short term He's signed until his mid-30s which is kind of the nature of the beast on doing those kind of deals but it really is a situation where the braves turn around and turn a position of relative uncertainty and a potential weakness if freddie were to leave and made it into an equal or better strength because Olsen is very, very good and he's undercut it for a long time. And you have to kind of keep your catch on Anthopolis for doing all of this quickly and kind of shorting that spot up.
1: For the sake of those that, you know, certainly do want as much insight as possible the quick breakdown of, of Olsen's new eight-year, $168 million deal. Of course, it includes his last two years of arbitration. He'll make $15 million in 2022, $21 million in 2023, basically $22 million per year from 2024 through 2029. And then there's a $20 million club option for 2030. And so, yes, you're right. That is right in line with Paul Goldschmidt, others, the other stud third baseman or first baseman that we've seen in the league get extensions over the past few years. But Brad, you hit the nail on the head. Listen, you know, Chris Willis, I mean, obviously the great um, site manager over at batterypower.com. He put it. Yes, absolute (laughs) legend. He put it best himself. He said, Matt Olson does not need to come be Freddie Freeman. He needs to be Matt Olson And nobody's going to forget Freddie Freeman. They shouldn't. Freddie Freeman is an absolute legend when it comes to the Braves. However, if you don't have Freddie Freeman, I don't know of anybody else who is more lined up to be that type of person, player, productive, consistent clubhouse member than Matt Olson. Even though it's not Freddie Freeman himself, you're checking basically all the boxes over the next eight years with Matt Olson, plus you have a player from the area who you know with how quickly he signed this deal, he wants to be here. That certainly adds to the value of getting him on top of obviously how great of a bat infielder he is.
2: For sure. And I think if you look at the projections and those things, and whether you buy into Zips and Steamer or, or, or whether you don't, you know Matt Olson and Freddie Freeman are projected by a lot of these systems to be very similar players for the for the upcoming season, and that is a testament to how good Matt Olsen is, because I think all Braves fans know how good Freddie Freeman is. But Matt Olson being four years younger than Freddie Freeman. And you know, basically, I'm not going to say that they're exactly the same player. There's a chance, this has to be said, there's a chance Matt Olson's better than Freddie Freeman. Like that's that's in play. And even in the short term, I think in the long term, that's probably the smart bet because he is younger. But even next season, like there's definitely a chance that he's a better player at this moment. So it's a very interesting kind of maneuver that they've done here. And yeah, there's a sentiment, sentimental aspect with regard to Freeman not being around anymore, but like you said, to check that box with a local guy who is well-known in the area, wants to be here, still has family here. And as again, the most important thing for me is that he is very, very, very good at baseball. And this is a guy that I think, you know, Brace fans don't watch a ton of Oakland A's baseball and I don't blame them, but he's a proven all-star kind of player. And that is not an overstatement. I'm not someone that's going to come on here and blow smoke about Matt Olson if, if it's not true, but the numbers are what the numbers are. He is very good and he signed to a deal that you went over the numbers you know, 22 million a year is probably going to be a bargain for Matt Olson for at least a few seasons here. And he's making a little bit less than that early on because it's sort of a pre-arbitration buyout kind of thing. So I think that as long as he holds his value into the last, you know, year or two of that deal, it looks like it's going to be a bargain in my mind. Not not even just an appropriate contract, but actually below market kind of in the way that Freeman's last deal was where objectively he outperformed that the entire way through and Olson's capable of doing the same thing. So really on, on the baseball side, Anthopolis, you know, you have to give some sort of uh, you know hat tip to him for the way that he was able to make this move, do it quickly. And uh, kind of, you know, not everybody's going to be thrilled with it because Freeman is leaving, but if you're going to have Freeman leave, this is the way to do it.
1: And the other thing that stands out, Brad, is, you know, we, we look at this from, you know, the outlook of 2022 and beyond, listen, the NL East is stacked with right-handed pitchers, Scherzer and DeGrom, Bassett, others in uh, with the Mets, Nola and and, and Zach Wheeler with the Phillies. You've got a plethora of young, outstanding right-handers that are with the Marlins. This is something that the Braves needed. If they were not going to keep Freddie Freeman, they had to have a difference maker who could feast on right-handed pitching from the left side of the plate, and that's what Olsen gives you. Now, thankfully, long-term. Now, when you look at this Braves lineup, even without Freeman, you've got a top five, we'll say five at least potentially, of Ronald Acuna Jr., Ozzy Albies, Matt Olson, um, Austin Riley, and Marcelo Zuna. And, And they could even add to Adam Duvall as well. At the end of the day, again, Brad, we find ourselves saying when it comes to the top five or six of this Braves lineup, I would stack it up against anybody in the majors.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think that there's uh, always a little bit of noise and, you know, Ronnie's coming back from the injury and um, can kind of rather replicate things but if you go up and down the roster like those top five guys you're hoping for Ozuna you know all of the off-field stuff aside you're hoping he gets back to where he kind of was closer to 2020 in terms of his production and that top five is really 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 impressive to be honest with you uh they still have some holes which we can talk about if you'd like to in the outfield that's a good question for them and we'll see what they get out of that but in terms of the top of the lineup this fits uh very very well and uh, everybody's discussed this already but Matt Olson's profile at the plate also fits the the ballpark very well like his spray chart Made the rounds and uh, how he's able to uh, have power to the right side, and he'll be, uh, I'm sure, blasting off in a stadium that's much more conducive to his skill set than he was in Oakland. So, uh, rounds of applause for the uh, for the maneuvering there to get Matt Olson, and as long as he's the guy that he's been the last few years, it's going to go very well. So, of course, we talk about
1: getting Matt Olson, and this obviously is the the biggest move in terms of talent, player name commitment that we've seen Alex Anthopoulos make as the Braves GM, but of course where he's mastered the ability to add value is on the margins, and this wasn't the only move of the day. The Braves also agreed to a two-year, ten million dollar deal with a six million dollar club option for 2024 with right-hander Colin McHugh, a veteran right-hander who has spent much of his career with the Houston Astros. Last year, with the Tampa Bay Rays, has had outstanding numbers. Does a great job of being able to limit production against opposing hitters. Brad, this is he. he we we've seen Josh. Conlin over the past few years (laughs) beat a guy that the Braves go to in high leverage situations potentially but also as a spot starter they now got a big big upgrade on a guy you hope they utilize like Colin McHugh but this just seems to stand out as another absolutely astute signing by Alex
2: Anthopoulos. I totally agree I think that you know McHugh there was some question in my mind and some of the reactions when the Braves announced the deal, and by the way, very typical Braves to just announce this deal with no reporting, no buzz, just sign it, announce it, and uh, I kind of love that about them. But um, when that happened, my number one question was, okay, let's hear from Anthopolis because is he going to be a starter or a reliever? And the Braves, I've been saying for a while, could use another starting option, not that's necessarily that's a great option, but someone who could give them some depth in the rotation, but all indications are from Anthopolis on down that he's going to be in the bullpen. And that's where he's been the last few years. And by the way, he's been awesome in the bullpen. Last three seasons that he's pitched, he has a sub three ERA with about a four to one strikeout to walk ratio over that span, and he's been very, very, very good. Um, this is a guy who's a veteran; he's you know approximately my age, so you know mid thirties. He's actually another local guy, another Woodland County guy, where I am actually from. He and Matt Olson uh, are not that close together in age; they actually went to high school about I don't know three miles apart. I was actually over there earlier today. That's how uh, that's how crazy life is. But Colin McHugh is a great addition to the bullpen. I think, of course, the night shift was so dominant in the playoffs and this might be sacrilege but and even as someone who thinks bullpens are very volatile and it's kind of tough to project them year to year uh it's hard not to dream about what the night shift plus Colin McHugh and by the way Kirby Yates who they also sign, it could be ready by August according to Metropolis that is going to be pretty terrifying if all things go well and just for McHugh himself like a guy who's a little bit more versatile like you said obviously the Tomlin comparison is kind of funny because Tomlin uh was Maybe not the greatest option in terms of, uh, you know, high leverage innings, but McHugh much better than that on the surface, and also someone who can give them three innings at the top if they need to, or pitch in the eighth inning if you need to, or be a high leverage guy. He's very versatile, and if, you know, if, they, if they had to start him, they probably could. So adding that kind of guy on a pretty decent bargain kind of contract is another stroke of uh, very strong GM work from Anthopolis because, you know, this is the kind of guy that I would have paid maybe not twice this much, but not much below that. I think he's worth more than he's gotten from the Braves in this deal. And that's usually the kind of deal that makes sense.
0: Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge that takes a team.
1: And, and this is where Alex Anthopoulos adds so much value as a general manager, right? You know, again, across baseball, we see all the time, you know, teams pay for stuff, potential, natural arsenals when it comes to pitchers. But Alex Anthopoulos consistently pays, you know, pretty good value, but kind of under market value for production. And we've seen a consistent trend, Brad, where the three of the best systems when it comes to pitching over the past decade, the Giants, the Astros, and the Rays, especially now, we see Alex Anthopoulos pay for the ability to pay off on pitchers who have gone through those systems. Charlie Morton, now Colin McHugh, Kirby Yates, you know, started his career with Tampa with Tampa Bay. But Mark Melanson, Will Smith, you know, Drew Smiley, Dallas Keiko, and others, this is where Alex Anthopoulos adds so much value. He finds a way in a cost-effective manner to get production from pitchers who know how to extract value from their stuff and will stay productive even as they age. Just a masterstroke once again when it comes to getting value from Alex Anthopoulos.
2: Yeah. And, you know, if you look at McHugh's profile, like he was a starter early on in his tenure with the Astros, but this is not a situation where you have this like a flash in the pan reliever. Like he's been good in every role that he's been in in the major leagues. He was a full time starter, he was very good. You know, the Braves, even in the release, mentioned this, but he was a top 10 Cy Young guy in 2015 with the Astros. Then he transitioned sort of into this hybrid role. He's been awesome in that role too. He sat out the 2020 season because he opted out during the pandemic. But essentially aside from that, he's been really awesome. And it's a weird profile because he doesn't throw hard at all, but he has incredible advanced numbers. Like I know his profile, there was lots of screenshots being shared on Twitter on Tuesday about his baseball savant profile. Like he's in the 95th percentile or higher and like hard hit rate allowed and walk rate. And barrel rate allowed and all these numbers like it's kind of defying because he doesn't throw hard at all but he has great uh sort of craft on the mound and that should age fairly well he's not it's not a guy who has to throw 100 to be successful and that gives you the versatility, gives you the consistency and another uh, versatile move to add to this team. Because, you know, in the event that a guy takes a step back in the bullpen, because usually not every reliever is going to be dominant every season. If, if one of those guys at the end of the bullpen takes a step back this year, you can kind of slide in queue in, or if you get an injury or if Yates gets delayed. It just gives you a lot of versatility. And uh, for a team that's looking long term into October, as they try to sort of repeat as champions, having that kind of guy who could do a lot of different things is very helpful. Absolutely,
1: and versatility is really what stands out for this Braves team. And that leads us to another conversation. So, you know, Alex Anthopoulos is done his heavy lifting. Obviously, the future doesn't include Freddie Freeman. That's fine. We've got that taken care of. We had another versatile arm to probably our pin, we hope more than likely, if our starting rotation can be, you know, reliable, especially with young guys stepping up. You put McHugh along with Yates and Jackson and Matzik and Smith and others, we could have one of the best bullpens in baseball. Now the focus shifts to the outfield, Brad. And again, we get to the point to where, okay, we've traded Christian Pache to Oakland. We've got Drew Rot- Water, sure. But at the end of the day, the Braves right now do not have a reliable traditional center fielder on the roster. You've got Adam Duvall. You've got Ronald Acuna Jr. When he comes back healthy, we saw some words today alluding to them potentially playing center field. But what are your thoughts about starting Adam Duvall and for 162 games, or at least to start the season in center field.
2: Yeah, it's interesting. Like, I've kind of pivoted almost to just saying they need an outfielder rather than a center fielder because, you know, they could trade for a guy for sure, but there isn't a natural center fielder on the market that's like a very obvious fit. And they do have two guys on the team in Duval and Acuna who can play center field. And Anthopolis today and his media his availability was pretty you know, cut and dry with like right now Duvall's or center fielder for opening day. And look, look, I don't think that's a great option defensively. I am very pro Adam Duvall. I've been that I've been that way for a long, long time. Even when he was struggling, I was one of the guys defending him. But objectively, he's not a great center field option. If he's a, if he's a corner outfielder, he's a pretty good defender. And center field, he's probably below average, but that's okay. He, obviously, they won the World Series with him playing center field a lot. They do have Heredia as the depth guy behind him. So it's not the worst situation in the world. But And then then also Acuna, who there was some reporting, some buzz that he doesn't want to play center field, but apparently that's been discussed and he's going to maybe do that in the near future, at least by the summer. But regardless, even if you assume you have Adam Duvall and a healthy Ronald Acuna, which right now is not like 100% to be the case, you're still short an outfielder because in my mind, Marcelo Azuna is a DH. Obviously he can play left field, but okay, let's just say for the sake of it, you put him in left field, now you don't have a DH. It's not like the race have this like perfect DH guy beyond Marcelo Zuna. So they do have a starting spot. Let's just say that that's the easiest way to put it is like they have a starting spot, preferably in the outfield that is still open and they have some money to spend to be Sure. And whether that's the guy who's an incumbent, whether it's Jorge Soler, Eddie Rosario, Jock Peterson, etc., they they're going to have to get someone because I don't think that they want to go into the season with Heredia as a starter or Drew Waters having to start or whatever you want to say. They're, they're just a, they're at least one bat down in the outfield. And that, by the way, assumes that Ronnie's back pretty soon, which there's been some conflicting reports about that. Anthopolis mentioned late May for him playing the field. We'll see on Acuna. But even if you assume he's in there, they got to do something else. And, and you know, Athopoulos has said that he was pretty uh, candid about that today. Like they still have work to do, but that's the number one weakness slash uncertainty point right now. is was just having another guy, another guy in the outfield, whether it's a center fielder or corner guy.
1: Yeah. And then the philosophy is, is not hard to read in. And, you know, basically it's mash early mash for the first seven innings, get the lead and then get Adam Duvall and left. Heredia and center, Acuna right when he's back. That's a pretty good defensive outfield, obviously. But the thing is is that that philosophy, it works in a, play, in a month-long postseason. It obviously worked on the Braves World Series run. You can put it out there for maybe a few weeks. But to go with this philosophy over a full 162-game schedule, it's eventually going to wear on you. So I agree, going to get the corner outfield guy, that probably is the more valuable move now. But I would imagine if this isn't addressed during the lead up to the season. One of the big things for the Braves to check during the season is eventually going to be some type of defensive center fielder who probably is a bit more offensively potent than uh, Guillermo Heredia. It seems like at some point you're going to have to get some type of center
2: field, reliable center fielder. I tend to agree with the caveat that if Acuna is 100% healthy and is okay playing center and they're okay with him playing center, He can obviously fill that role. It's just that we don't know how he's going to respond with the knee. I know there is a lot of optimism about Ronnie and the videos. He looks incredible. And I'm not doubting Ronald Acuna. I want to be very clear about that. I'm not doubting Ronald Acuna. What I am saying is that you can't assume that he's going to be 100%, especially with his legs and running early in the season. And I think being careful with him, does make sense i know he's kind of a physical freak in a lot of ways in the best possible way but he's still your long-term face of the franchise and you want to be careful with him on some level and if he's not excited about playing center field or whatever else i'm sure they're gonna have to use him there at some point but short of a trade that guy's not available so i'm with you on this one i think duvall can play there it's not exactly a glaring you know mess out there when he's playing center field. But if you're looking at, you know, July, August, and especially October, you probably want another option because Heredia, while we all love him, is probably more like a fifth out there guy. He's more of like, you know, he's, he's definitely a pure role player type and they don't have Pache as that option anymore. And while I like that trade, I think Pache being in the deal is not something that, that I'm too worried about. He was kind of their fallback guy in the outfield. Whereas at least you could have said, all right, Christian, you may not hit, but you're going to play, you're going to bat ninth and play great defense in center field. They don't have that guy anymore. And that's not the worst thing in the world. Adam Duvall is better than Christian Pache actually right now today in terms of just being a winning baseball player in the major leagues. But I'm with you that for 162, if your plan is Adam Duvall in center field every day, I don't love that. And uh, I guess maybe their fingers are crossed about Ronnie being able to play there more often than not, and we'll see how they handle that.
1: So the other thing that certainly stood out is that, you know, we had some speculation on how much the Braves potentially have left. In the offseason to spend, it was 15 men. I believe that that was, you know, before we signed Colin McHugh. You know, put whatever you want to on that. I would take that with a grain of salt. But it was interesting. <laughs> yes. It was interesting to see, Brad, that Alex Anthopoulos, I believe, made the comments we should be have our roster set by Friday. It seems as if there still obviously is the outfield. You still probably would like to have some type of relevant go to talent on the bench. And also, I think at least some type of durable innings eater in the rotation, a veteran-type guy, maybe not a Danny Duffy or a Matt Boyd. Those guys profile-wise match what Alex Anthopoulos wants, but you probably want someone that has a bit more durability, a bit more reliability when it comes to health. Just what stands out to you besides the outfield? How important is that starting pitching aspect of things, adding another body there that, that could produce this season?
2: For me, it's pretty important. I, I, I don't necessarily... I'm not going to pour too much cold water on your Kyle Wright types, your young guy. They do have a bunch of young guys and playing the math on that, you know, maybe you get one or two of them that have good enough seasons where you can bank on that. But I do think that I am wary of starting the season with only basically three proven options, because whatever you want to say about the young guys, whether it be Wright or Mueller or Tukey or whoever else you want, Tucker Davidson, um, none of those guys are proven as full season major league starters. And you really only have Anderson Freed and a recovering Charlie Morton. So I have been saying for a while that i I believe they have to sign someone. Now it was actually a good point made offline to me actually in our Slack channel today about, listen, they can probably get a kind of a scrap heap fifth kind of starter guy in the next couple of weeks, because teams will be moving on from various pieces in spring training. That kind of happens every year. Um, That wouldn't be a sexy name, but maybe they think that they could just get somebody in a role player kind of way. that's a veteran to plug some innings and maybe save some money that way, because, you know, you mentioned the $15 million number of remaining funds that was reported as a uh, source kind of thing, but I don't, I don't know what that number is. Nobody does. I want to be honest about that and very clear. I'm very skeptical of any firm numbers on the payroll. But if you were to assume that number is relatively close, using, you know, a third of that on column Q and still needing an outfielder, as we just discussed, um, they don't have a ton of flexibility right now to pay up for a real number four, number five starter. So we'll see how they handle that. I mean, obviously, if you're a Braves fan, you're hoping that they actually spend more money than has been reported. But beyond that... I don't think that I am super comfortable with the reigning World Series champions going into the season with question marks at fourth and fifth starter. And it may not be anybody great. It's not going to be someone that everyone's in love with. It might be a Drew Smiley type. I'm not saying it's going to be Drew Smiley, but somebody like that that's more of a plug and play, one year deal, and Anthopolis special. But I do think that they should, and I, I hope they actually do, acquire another arm in the next couple of weeks.
1: And to those listening, Brad actually shared with me his list of preferred starters that he would prefer to add to the rotation. Brad, for as big of a Braves fan as he is and the great coverage that he offers, he has for a while now, he is so loyal. The four names at the top of his list are Scott Casimir, Tommy Malone shelby miller and julio teron that is the top four <laughs> that brad wants out there i'm completely lying but but brad roland you'd love to have any four of those guys
2: back right i was wondering where that where that bit was going sean it was well done well executed on the <laughs> uh, on the former braves bingo you, you, you got to include Drew smiley though somewhere in there because i'm i am uh a beloved uh i i loved Drew Smiley in a lot of ways at least compared to other people it's, it's kind of a bit on my end as well but uh It would be kind of funny, and I still kind of hold out hope for the laughs that they signed Drew Smiley. It's like a a $2 million deal. It'd be great. We'll see what happens.
1: But at the end of the day, Brad, I I do think, as we wrap up here on the Daily Hammer, I do think that one thing can be said. You don't want to say it with confidence as of yet because there's still holes to fill. But there's a good chance on paper, even without Freddie Freeman, um, and even with these holes still to be filled, I do think that this team could be on paper more talented than this team that won last year. And to go with how much makeover we've seen from the Braves, that is just an absolutely wonderful job by Alex Anthopoulos. And you have to feel Brian Snicker is ready to go when it comes to making the most of it in 2022.
2: It's going to be fun. I think we're all looking forward to what this team looks like. Um, And the fact that it's not coming together when we kind of knew when the lockout was lifted, it was going to go quickly. Uh, No one, uh, maybe I shouldn't say no one. Matt Olson was a logical candidate uh, in a lot of ways, but I think that uh, if they do fill out the roster by Friday, we'll have some time to get prepared for the season. And guys are reporting to camp, and uh, things are going. I mean, there's there's news fast and furious, I know you'll be covering it, um, you know, a lot, uh, which is uh, I definitely appreciate. But uh, I think everyone's excited for the next step. Even if you're the biggest Freddie Freeman loyalist in the world, you have to acknowledge Matt Olsen is really good too, and the Braves are still really good. And one more time, they're the reigning. World Series champions, so uh, things are not that bad for the Braves.
1: And if you didn't have enough excitement over the past 36 hours, Brad, I'm also glad to point out that in less than 72 hours, the Braves are actually going to be playing baseball. March 18th at 12.05 p.m. Central, they're going to be starting off their spring training schedule, so there certainly is – a lot to enjoy. And there always is a lot to enjoy when it comes to the Battery Power Podcast Network. Obviously, you have the great work from Brad, Eric, and Scott when it comes to the Battery Power Podcast Network. You have the great work from uh, Corey McCartney and Grant McCauley as well when it comes to the Battery Power YouTube channel. You can find all of this at, ba- at batterypower.com, at BatteryPower SBN, across all forms of social media. Brad, I-, I believe that if there are other moves to be made, Some version of the great group that we've got to do it will be obviously (laughs) producing some content based off of it, but can't thank you enough, as always, for your great insights, sir. It's always a pleasure to do this with you.
2: It's fun to talk with you as well, Sean. And yes, like you said, we will always react as quickly as humanly possible, whether it is myself or Sean or Eric or Scott or Chris Willis or whoever on the podcast feed. Please, please, please subscribe. And as we talked about a number of times, I'm sure in the next, I don't know, few days to a week, something else is going to happen that we'll have to respond to and uh, we'll have fun doing it. It's always a pleasure for Brad
1: Roland. My name is Sean Coleman. Obviously, you can find all the great content to at batterypower.com, at BatteryPower SBN on all forms of social media. Hit the subscribe button on our YouTube channel as well as the podcast network. Until next time, for Brad Roland, Sean Coleman, this has been the Daily Hammer. Go Braves.